This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Thank the Lord as you're seated. Thank you for taking a couple minutes to get into the Word with us. Today, we're going to continue our series. We're in the book of Philippians. I'd like for you to take your Bibles uh, because uh, of a few things in preparation uh, for our spiritual growth campaign coming. We don't have our side screens today. So I want to encourage you to get your outlines either in uh, the print copy as uh, the ushers walk around. If you didn't get one, they'll get one to you and uh, hopefully they'll help you to get that. Uh, So just as you see an usher walking up and down, just raise your hand and they'll get you a print outline. Uh, Or you can go over to our CL app and uh, you can uh, log into the outline uh, there. Today we're going to continue looking in Philippians. We've called it I choose. Say it with me. I choose. Turn to your neighbor and say I choose. The first week we said we were choosing what? Joy. I choose joy. That led us last week into chapter 3. We're going to come back to chapter 2 in another week or so. We said last week I choose what? Hope. I choose hope. And today, I choose peace. Today, we're going to be looking at how to walk in peace. Not just the peace of God, but how do we walk in peace. If you're in a battle, if you're in a war, movement is critical. As you are in that war and as you're in that battle, how you move is critical to the success of the battle. Well, God has given you and I a spiritual radar. He's given to you and I that which will guide us as we walk through our spiritual battle and as we walk through life. As we walk, God has a spiritual radar that will guide you and lead you. And today we're going to look at what it is, and it is the peace of God. Not just peace with God, but peace of God that guards our mind, leads us, and helps us as we walk through our journey. If you will, take your outline and take your Bibles, flip over to Philippians chapter 4. We will be coming back, as I said, to Philippians chapter 2, but I want to continue to link some of the scriptures together uh, that Paul talks about. He is a circular speaker. He'll hit a theme. He'll move to a theme. He'll come back to a theme. He'll move on to another theme. He'll come back to another theme. And so I am linearly speaking to us on these themes and linking them for us as we study them. In chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, say, stay true to the Lord. I love you. This is, in fact, one of the most uh, pastoral, caring letters of Paul. He says, I love you, and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and my crown, my crown that I receive for my work. Now I appeal to you, Judea and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord. We'll come back to this theme in a couple weeks. Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true, my true partner, to help these two women. For they worked hard with me. They were servants of the Lord. They served with him. They worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. 
Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, what? Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will be able to experience God's peace. God's peace exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will do what? Guard your hearts and your minds. It will be a spiritual radar for you. It will guard you and lead your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Some passages say dwell. Dwell on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. He's talking about how to mentor here. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Everything that you have heard from me and saw me doing, you can put it into practice. Then the God of peace will be with you. Can I hear an amen? amen? As we talk about choosing peace, let's start, first of all, by just unpacking for a moment what is peace. Now, the world defines peace differently than what God defines peace. Don't we know that? You know, the world would say it's the absence of disturbances or it's the absence of hostility. They would say to you and I that we are free from this internal and external strife. That is peace. Because in our world today, there is a lot of turmoil, shootings in schools and rioting and uh, racial division and fear that's running rapid, devastation. I was looking last night at what are the top fears of children they listed them from young uh, one- and two-year-olds all the way up to high schoolers. Uh, the fear of the boogeyman, the fear of monsters, the fear of using the restroom for the very first time, all the way into elementary and high school, fear of school shootings, fear of going to school, fear of so many things that are taking place around them. And so when we look at the world, they will define fear and, and they will define the turmoil and they will define these things that when they're out of your life, that you have peace in your life. You have no conflict. You, you have no turmoil that's happening. But Paul is going to say to us that there is a peace that is different that regardless of what may be happening around you, you can still have joy, hope, and peace in your life. In fact, he's writing, if we remember, in prison and in prison, chained to guards, a new guard every four hours for two years straight. And in the midst of that, it's the most joyful book in the whole Bible because he learned that there is a secret to peace, hope, and joy, and it's not how the world defines it. Do you know that? In fact, Jesus would say to you and I in John 14, 27, he would say, I'm leaving you with a gift. And that gift is a peace of mind and heart. Can I hear amen? And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and what? Afraid. So when we look at peace of God, in fact, 
We would know that in, in Jerusalem for Hebrews, it's the shalom, peace of God. It's a peace that's in your soul. The peace of God that God is talking about is a peace that comes that no matter what is happening around you, there is a completeness and a wholeness within your soul. Yes, we're believing for and looking for and moving that there is freedom from trouble. But what he's talking about in Scripture is that in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your mind, your will, your emotions within you is a peace that comes from God. Harmony in relationships is a goal. Yes, that, that we would see fulfillment of our dreams and vision and purposes of God. That yes, we would see victory over the enemy and victory in everything that the enemy would send at us. But Paul was saying that the peace of God, regardless of those circumstances, gives me a peace within, in my soul. Can I hear amen? Now what steals our peace is stress and anxiety. When we're stressful, when we're anxious, when we're fearing the future, it steals our, our, our peace. When there's conflict in your life, what does it do? It steals your peace. When you're, when you're facing things that you're walking through financially, physically, in your health or, or relationally, it steals your peace because that anxiety and that stress comes on you. When you're walking through a time of, 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 of disturbance in your life, Maybe it's out of disobedience. Maybe it's because of sin. Maybe because of something that you've done. But there's something that's disturbed within. What does it do? It steals your peace. So today I'm going to share with you a strategy. I'm going to show you what Paul shows you and I. It's, it's how to move forward in our battle, having a, a spiritual guide that God gives to us so that we can truly say, I choose peace choose peace within. I choose peace within my soul. God is clear that there is a peace that he gives that will guard your heart and your mind. And there is that which will help you as you move. And as you're moving, you're confirmed within, within the depth of who you are, that there is a peace. Just give me a, an agreement in the house. A few weeks ago, we talked about, because Paul's been progressing through the book of Philippians that there is peace that we get with God and yes today there is a peace that we can have in God a peace that comes of knowing him and finding hope choosing to walk in him knowing that no matter what our focus is upward Paul would share us we looked at it last week that in your circumstance he showed us that he always looked upward his focus was always to God it was focusing on him and not his circumstances it was God his focus was the Lord declaring the goodness and the grace of God and the mercies of who God was his focus was always upward and as he touched God it flowed outward when you looked at Paul, it was never about his inward situations. His perspective was a perspective that guided him and allowed him to live consistently before the Lord because his focus was upward and it led him to live outwardly. Peace with God. We saw that in chapter 3, he says you keep pressing on. When you find hope, when you find the hope of glory, and when you find the Savior and he comes into your life, there is an experience that happens to you, and it's that experience of finding hope that guides you as you walk through your life. What was it? Well, 
We said last week that there is an experience of hope. When we experience God, now we get hope in all of our weaknesses. That no matter what we go through in life, the struggles of our life, the past that we've lived or the mistakes that we're making, there is a hope that God is giving me power in my now and where I'm living and walking now to give me that power that will help me overcome my weakness. And also, he gives us not only hope in our weakness and power in our weakness, but man, in our pain, his presence can come and be with you in those loneliest moments of distraught, those times of feeling so isolated and alone, God's presence can be there. How many know what I'm talking about? And man, he's given us promises for the future. So when I talk about peace... Yes, it starts with having a peace with God. And yes, secondly, there is peace with others. We're going to come back to that in a couple weeks. Because in chapter 2, he really talks about that. Even though he hits it again in chapter uh, 4 here, we're going to link it back to chapter 2 in just a few weeks and talk about how to live at peace with others. How to, how to handle conflicts with one another, especially as believers. Churches are famous for living under artificial harmony, not genuine unity. They walk around with an artificial harmony, and yet they avoid one another within the church. How many know what I'm talking about? If you're in a large church, you see somebody over there, you go that way. Well, Paul says, listen, that's not how it should be. In chapter 4 with these two ladies, he says, no, 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 no. I want you to be unified. Work out your disagreement. Do whatever it takes. Whatever is needed, work it out. Well, we're going to come back in a couple weeks and look at that. But today, let me jump right in. And that is, how do we live at peace with myself? How do I... How do I allow this fruit of the Spirit to guide me and to lead me, to rule my heart, to guard my heart? That the peace of God, maybe another way of saying it, abides within. I mean, it just hit me as I reviewed it even again this morning that there is peace that abides within. That I have a peace with myself, that I can maintain peace in my life. Because, man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of believers that do not live with peace. They're not living with peace. Maybe they have peace with God, but because they don't have a peace within, they end up not having peace with others. And before long, it separates them from even the Lord. That I have a peace that's deep within, that I can know the will of God, that I can know that God is there, that God is with me no matter what is happening around me. And God has given to us an alarm that goes off, the Holy Spirit that goes off when things get out of alignment. If we go back to verse 4 here, he says to us in verse 4, he says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice. Always, always be filled with joy. And he says again, I say rejoice is it possible I mean let's be honest if I were sitting and we were talking together the question would come up is it really possible to live with continuous joy now before we quickly say yes the problem is is we don't this is probably the hardest 
real sermon to apply that I've preached all year? How do we really continuously live with joy? Let's be honest. So much is stealing our joy. Most are not at peace with themselves. They're not walking in joy. There's anxiety, there's stress, there's pressure. They have little joy within their heart. So Paul is going to give us some steps. And and as easy as the steps are, they are so difficult to apply. So I'm going to give you four simple steps of how to walk in peace today coming from our passage of Scripture. If we'll go back to verse 6. In verse 6, Paul says this, don't worry about anything. Are you serious? Don't worry about anything. Well, I blew it this week already. How many else? I mean, don't worry about anything. The first step is worry about nothing. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, aren't the writers of Scripture so good? For all of you authors out there, man, they're so good the way they write this. I wonder if they had editors and all of that. I don't know. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. God, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then, then, circle it, you will what? Experience God's peace. Then you will experience it and boy, it exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. A peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that comes. And I'm telling you, there's been many a nights that I've prayed, many a times I've taken walks, many a times that we've longed just in the presence of God, praying and tearing and seeking and knocking. Why? Because there was anxious feelings, there was issues, there was problems. And so we're laying it to the Lord. And sometimes that's not a couple minutes, right? Sometimes that is hours of praying and tearing, long nights of prayer. But boy, when we really can release it to the Lord, what happens is the burden gets lifted and a joy comes into our hearts so he says in fact the NIV says don't be anxious about anything the amplified Bible says do not fret or have any anxiety the King James version says be careful for nothing so the first step that he's really saying to us is that we worry about nothing What does that really mean, Pastor Tom, is I surrender unconditionally, write it down, I surrender it unconditionally unto the Lord. That I give him the right to be in control. Why? It's because worry will kill joy in my life and it's the source of stress within my life. 
Stress is something external that's causing something internal. And so the big test is that when something happens and, 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 and I'm worried about it, maybe it's something that's happened in, in, in a relationship. Maybe you have a big exam that's coming. Maybe you're walking through something. Maybe uh, financially there's struggles or physically there's struggles. There's an external situation that's causing the stress with on you. And, 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 and as it comes upon you, it creates within you this anxiety which is a reaction to stress and so as I begin to see that there is this that's happening it's persistent I don't know about you but I can't get it out of my mind I think about it I look at whatever it is I'm trying to figure out how to work it out anybody else know what I'm talking about if it's a relational issue, I'm trying to figure out what do I need to do. If it's something that I can try to fix, I'm trying to fix it. The most frustrating is when I can't fix it. When it's uncontrollable. When it's something that's out of my control. Or it's with somebody. And don't you know people are unchangeable? And when I'm trying to change them or I'm trying to do it a certain way. I mean, what does it do? Is it robs my peace. Anxiety that comes over me. You know, there was a, uh, 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 there was a book study and there was a, uh, a survey that, that came out and a research finding. And it said, it said that uh, by Dr. Walter uh, Covert, he was, did a study on worries and he discovered this in his study. 40% of what we worry about never happens. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, you're worrying about it, you're thinking about it, and it never happens happens. I remember one time we were in Vienna and, and we were in some relational conflict and uh, we were going to be meeting with them. And man, I spent all day long, all day long mapping out the argument, all day long mapping out what they've done and what they need to do to change and, 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 and why they should have done this and why they should have done that. And now we get to the evening to have the meeting. Now I'm telling you, I probably spent six hours on it. It was good. It was a good document. I mean, it was it was really, really good. And when we sat down and we began the talk, within the first two minutes, I completely misunderstood what their issue was, what was going on, and everything I had written was useless for the meeting now that I was sitting in. Now, Pastor Nadine, I have to be honest, I really wanted to still say it. I spent six hours on it, you know. I took all this time to work it out. I still wanted to say it, but I didn't. Forty percent of our worries never happen. 30% of our worries concern the past. Mistakes we've made, things that have happened, situations that have occurred, most of all the mistakes and the things that we have done. I was driving the other day and as I was driving the other day, Pastor Kevin, I thought about something I said in a meeting and it had been some time back, but I thought about it and I was just like, oh, you, you are so stupid. Speaking to myself, why did you say that? You know, why did you do that? You know, 30% of our past, things that we've done, mistakes that we've made, things that we should have done and we didn't do, 12% he found of our worries are needless worries about our health. They're needless. 10% of our worries are insignificant or little petty concerns. And he found that only 8% of our worries really are legitimate concerns. And yet this steals our peace all the time. When situations are uncontrollable, they're out of our, our control, we get all uptight. 
I've been flying a lot. And as I've been flying recently in the airport, man, people just get so uptight because the plane is laid and, and they start taking it out on the person at the counter and they're all frustrated and angry. And, you know, and it's just, it's just so tense. And the reality is she can't do anything about it. You know, whatever it is, it has happened. It's uncontrollable. And yet we get frustrated about it. We get frustrated about delayed flights, canceled flights, stuck in traffic, things that we can't do anything about. Stuck on the turnpike, we can't move to find out there's an accident up there that's blocking everything. Well, what can I do? Why am I getting so frustrated about it when it's so uncontrollable? Or I said earlier, when people are unchangeable and I'm trying to force them to do what I want or I, I, I want them to change. And have you learned yet that people resist change? And they resist it when you begin to recommend what they need to do. They begin to resist it, right? They need to invite it. You've got to realize that. They resist it when you try to change them. If you've ever tried to change somebody, you know that they resist it right away. And one of the quickest ways to lose your peace is to try to change somebody because they're probably not going to change anyway. But man, we get so frustrated in the unexplainable. Life's just not fair. Things happen. There's not always a happy ending. Not everything goes the way we want it to go. And then, and then we get so frustrated and we tend to, to get anxious and nervous and stressed out. And worry all of a sudden begins to come on us. When really this is God's responsibility. This is what God is going to do. And God never intended that I take on this stress or this anxiety. In fact, God promises that he will keep me in perfect peace. He will guard my mind. He will guard my heart. But I've got to do a step. And that step is I've got to surrender it to him. You see, my step is worry about nothing surrender it to him now pastor it's so hard I know it's hard it's not me it's God that's saying it I'm just relaying it worry about nothing I've got to begin to realize I've I've got to accept what I can't change now I'm not talking about things in you in your character or in your lifestyle that needs to be changed I'm not talking about that that's another sermon that says you walk out your obedience but I'm talking about the things that we cannot change I surrender it I accept it which means that that I realize that God you are in control I realize that that God you are the one that is you are navigating and guiding and I yield as a follower of Christ to your divine plan. I may not understand it. There may be uncontrollable situations and un unchangeable people. There might be things, God, that, that, that I want it to be different and I'm taking on the stress and the anxiety, but I learn to lay it down and surrender it to you because you are in control and worry is worthless. I can't change the past. I can't control the future. When I'm trying to change the past and control the future, all it does is mess up my right now. It just messes up what's going on. And that's why the Bible says, don't worry about anything. Matthew 6, Jesus said it this way. Matthew 6, 33, I, uh, Jesus said, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for what? Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. 
Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has troubles of its own. Today, God, help me to surrender to what you're doing today. So the question that I've got to ask, that, you, that we have to ask, is are there things that I need to accept that maybe have already happened in the past? Are there sins I need to just confess? Are there things that I just need to receive forgiveness on? Are there things that I have to just learn from and say, okay, I'm going to do the best that I can? What is it that we're worrying about that's causing the anxiety and the stress today? I pray that before you leave this day and before we get out of this week that you will say, God, I'm surrendering it to you. God, it may be a relationship. It may be about my job. It may be about finances or something else, but I'm gonna live one day at a time and I'm surrendering and yielding to you. Can I hear an amen in the house? Man, it's an attitude. You might want to write it down because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a guide for me. It's an attitude of trusting. Just an attitude of surrender. An attitude that says, God, I'm going to live today. I'm not naive about the future. And God, I want to learn from the past and I want to, I want to grow. And, and, and God, I can't change it, but I want it to make me better. And in the reality of all of that, I trust you today. Can I get an agreement in the house? Now, can I tell you, if you're here today, the problem of in the past, in your mistakes, is you try to escape it in your mind. And for many people, they can't get out of the pressure of the past and their situations. They can't, within them, they don't feel like they can get out of it. And for them, the only escape in their mind is suicide. Can I tell you, suicide is not the answer. But the enemy would try to come and he would try to make you feel like you're such a failure and he would try to make you feel like there's no other way that you're gonna get out of this. And it's a lie of the enemy. Suicide is a lie of the enemy. And that's why you gotta have people that are around you that you can process and walk with and share. But we hide it because we're embarrassed by it and we don't want people to know what we're walking through. And man, the enemy just bombards your thoughts in your mind. Let me tell you, this is not the end of the story. Let me tell you, God's not finished. Let me tell you, there is a way. There's a way through it. There's a way of escape. And you may feel like you've lost everything, that everything is behind you. The grief that's there makes me so overwhelming. But can I tell you that God is going to be there when you determine in your heart to surrender to him and secondly, pray about everything. And so Paul would say, secondly, in verse 6, in everything by prayer and petition, petition is asking God with thanksgiving, that's praise and glorifying God, present your requests to the Lord. He really has given you a process of how to pray here. And Paul is saying, listen, instead of panicking, pray. Instead of taking on that weight, find time to pray. Find time to release it. Find time to give it to the Lord. Some people think that you can only pray about religious things or, or about revival or, or about what God wants to do. No, no, no. God is interested in every detail of our life. We pray about everything. So petition means that I am praying with specific, detailed uh, requests to God. And I'm saying, God, your will be done. Your will be accomplished. God, show me, lead me, guard my heart, lift the burden, take away the anxiety, and show me what your will is in this moment. And I'm specific with the Lord. 
problem for many is they pray too vague. They, they, pay, they pray too general. They don't really lay it out to the Lord. The Bible says that when you pray, in fact, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Phillips Bible says, when you pray, tell God every detail of your needs. But we don't do that. God, you already know. It's not for him, it's for us. Prayer is me releasing it. As I pray, I, got, I begin to get God thoughts in my prayer that begins to guide me and lead me as to how I will find peace in my own heart. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, unload all your worries, all your worries on him since he is looking after you. I came across a study this week. There was a life insurance company that did a study and as a part of the study, they found that those that went to church at least once a week lived on an average of 5.7 years longer than the general public. And when I thought about that, I said, that is incredible. And the reason I think is because those that go to church every week are more likely to pray than worry. They get in altars, they get in worship, they surrender it to the Lord, and, and, and they begin to submit and surrender and yield everything, their whole life to God. And in that, they find peace, and that peace affects their health. So I'm surrendering to God's loving control. When you think about, and I know my time's slipping, I, I, I was told not to say that, I'm sorry. We're making time for service, and then I say, my time is slipping. So, Pastor Nadine, I'm going to preach an hour and a half. Yeah. Just. Who said yes? We're going to lunch, man. Yeah. No, I don't want to abuse your time, but I do want to share the word in, 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 that God has given, and so thank you for your, your patience. If you remember about Job, in the book of Job... As I've studied, I've actually never, that I can recall, Kevin just wrote about Job, beautiful suffering book. Have you gotten his book yet? And I know Job comes out of his story. And, and Job, man, Job won what we'd call the World Cup of Suffering. I mean, he was the wealthiest man. He was a godly man. He was dedicated, devout, committed to God. And in a 48-hour period of time, Wealthiest man, godly man, devout man, big family, had everything that you could In 48 hours, he lost everything. Ten of his children were murdered. He lost his health. He got these, these sores that, that would be so painful on his body, this disease that was oozing from him 24 hours a day. Here we see that he lost everything. He lost his wealth, his wealth, his crops and his flock and his livestock. Everything was destroyed. Even his wife said, turn against God, you know, curse God and die. And it was apparent to him that something was wrong. And can I tell you, God, when you read the book of Job, God didn't explain anything to Job until you get to chapter 37. Job didn't know why he was walking through, why he was going through what he was going through. God, why are you allowing this? But when you look at it, now we can look back and we can see God had a bigger plan. But in the moment, Job didn't see that. In the moment, it's just everything is falling apart and there's no reason why it's happening. When you read the book of Job and you see it, it was as though we know there was forces that was working and God was allowing a test. 
and Satan was involved. Now, I'm not saying all your problems are a direct result of a spiritual attack from the enemy, but there is a spiritual warfare that we are in as believers, and we must recognize that we don't understand all that's happening around us. Can I just get an agreement? He had no idea that he was going through a test. For 37 chapters, God says nothing. Now, in your pain, in your moments of suffering, in those moments where everything just feels like it's collapsing, we do say, God, what is happening? What is going on? But the mature in Christ isn't blaming Christ. The mature in Christ are saying, God, give me peace, guide me, lead me, help me to understand. Do I get an agreement? But when you're in the middle of a crisis and God is silent, what do you do? Yes, we're thinking, God, what is happening? And we're praying and our prayers are going up, but it feels like it's hitting a, a brass ceiling, a glass ceiling, and it's coming back down. And it's, it's like nothing is happening. Nothing is, is, is right. God, why is this happening? And yet in the midst of that, Job, we see, was in the middle of a test. It was a test, a test of his peace of mind and also a test of his character. Man, here we see a man that says, though he slay me, though I die, I will trust him. You see, worry about nothing and pray about everything. Get you to that place where, 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 where Paul was talking about it in prison. And now we're looking at Job and Job say, though I die, I will still trust him. Though he slay me, though this happened, I will still trust him. See, there's no problem that's too big for God's power. And we heard Alan's testimony today, and wasn't that powerful? There is nothing that's too difficult for God, and there is no concern too small for God. And so share with him everything. Worry about nothing. Thirdly, Paul is going to say, in everything... In everything, he says, give thanksgiving. In everything, verse 8, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now, when I hear God's will in Scripture, it alerts my ears and my heart. Because I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the will of God. And a lot of people can to say it without concreteness of how you do it and live it. And here he's saying, give thanks in what? All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what he is saying is, listen, if you want to be in God's will, you've got to be a person that practices gratitude. See, we're lived... We live our lives by the negative. We live our lives by what, what is going to happen and what's wrong. But he's saying, give it to God, pray about everything, and let gratitude daily come from your life. Give thanks to him. And man, it's so crucial in our lives. If you live with gratitude in your heart, in your life, if you live a life of gratitude, can I tell you, it begins to change you. 
begins to show you and help you to see things from God's perspective. If you always feel like you should get, that you should have, that you own it, you deserve it, it's your rights and, and that's what should happen, then you are not going to be a person of gratitude because you want to take instead of giving back praise and thanksgiving for all God has done. Man, gratitude that flows. It's been said what you water is what grows. And, and so if you water negative thoughts, it's going to grow. But if you make a habit in your heart, in your life, of being a person of gratitude, and you practice that in your life, all of a sudden it begins to grow. The blessings and the grace of God and the mercy of God, that begins to grow within you. And when worry comes, you begin to pray and you give thanks and you give gratitude for all that God is doing. And all of a sudden the worry begins to leave you. Because you're practicing gratitude. So what should you be thankful for, Pastor? Well, I want to encourage you. Be thankful for the encouragers in your life. People that encourage you and build you up, be thankful for them. Because you have a lot of people around you that tear you down. But we're a people that build up and encourage. Amen? So when you have encouragers in your life, you should be thankful for that. Secondly, I think you should be thankful for the journey that you're on. For what God's doing in your life, what he's teaching you, that which he's doing around you and with you and in you and through you. Be thankful for that. I think we should be thankful for a church like we have here and a ministry like God has given to us that encourages us, inspires us, and equips us to be messengers of hope. We're on an incredible journey that's making an incredible impact for the kingdom of God, and we should be thankful for that. I'm thankful for my pastors. I'm thankful for our staff. I'm thankful for our leaders. I'm thankful for our volunteers. I'm thankful for the outreach that we have within our community. I'm thankful for our life groups that gather people in their homes and, and begin to allow people to study the word and are there to minister to them. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a church that's seeking the presence of God and that when we say we're going to extend our services beyond 75 minutes, they don't get all uptight and they say, yes, yes, we want God. That we can have nights ablaze and prayer and worship nights and we're not worried about the clock. If it goes two hours or three hours or four hours, it doesn't matter, God, it's your time and I'm thankful that your power and your glory is here. You should be thankful for your friends and family. You see, we don't appreciate those closest to us enough. Usually we tear down those closest to us and we build up others. Somehow we look past our family to others and see that they're the mission to show love. And we tear down those that are the closest to us. So the conviction to our own hearts, all of our hearts, is God, let me be a builder and a, an equipper. I build up and I encourage and I inspire those that are closest to me. Thank you for my family. I thank you for my friends. I thank you, Lord, for those that are with me. Alan said, thank you for all that prayed for me, that, that visited me, that texted me, that sent cards to me. Thank you. I was one of those that went and visited Alan in the hospital, and uh, they joke that when I show up, it's bad. <laughs> and uh, when I went into the hospital, Alan... <laughs> Alan kind of looked at me, now we, we, 
had to wear the mask. And so I, I, he kind of looked at me and he said, are you my nurse? And then he did a double take. No, Pastor Tom. And uh, we started to, to carry on. It was in those 10 days he didn't remember nothing, you know. I was going to leave my card so that he knew I was there, you know. And every five minutes, where's my nurse? Where's my nurse? Get my nurse. He wanted his nurse. <laughs> but he said, thank you for family, for friends, for your life group, for your life group leader, for your ministry leader. Thank those that are closest to you. And I think we also need to be thanking God for the small victories in our life. We're living in a world that's looking for the big victories. And we're forgetting it's the little victories that leads to the big breakthrough. Step by step by step, Paul says, pursue me. Pursue the Lord. As I follow him, you follow me. The victories of what God is doing in your life. You broke an addiction, give him praise for that. Your marriage may not be where you want it. You've been praying. But man, have there been some small victories? Thank the Lord for that. Thank him for what he is doing. We look for the big. And God is in the small. And we can miss him. Have a grateful heart. There is always something that you can be grateful for. There's always Something. When we're in marriage counseling, we always say, there's got to be something that's good. Something's got to be good. No, nothing's good. By the time they get to me, nothing's good. It's over. It's done. Nothing's good. I want out of it, and I want you to bless my divorce. No, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. There's got to be something in this marriage that you're thankful for. Praise God for that. Thank God for that. Encourage them around you. The small victories that are there. Focus on what God is doing. Amen. The last and the final step that Paul gives to us, a powerful one. In verse 8, he said, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Now, he's already given us some good stuff. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And thank God continuously. I don't think I wrote it that way, but thank God for all things. And then he says this. One final thing, brothers and sisters. He's talking to the church. One final thing. One last thing. It's as though he's saying, oh, I forgot this. Has a preacher ever done that? <laughs> I forgot it. In my first closing, in my second closing. I forgot. And then he says, fix your thoughts. You see, what he's saying is, listen, if you're going to walk in peace, it's a matter of the mind. You got to think about the right things. If you're not thinking about the right things, you're going to be thinking about the wrong things. You're going to have to dwell on the positive, but on the negative, and it's going to cause stress and anxiety in your life. And so he says, think about what is true. Thinking about, dwelling on what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about that which is excellent and worthy of praise. Man, I love it. He's saying, dwell on these things. Fix your thoughts on these things. You want to reduce stress and anxiety in your life? You want to change that which is happening around you? You got to change the way 
what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent and worthy of praise. Think on that. Now, the reality is I choose what I'm going to think about. And so if you're not walking in peace, you got to start here. And that is what are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? What are your thoughts on? Put your mind on those things. We allow people to put so much on us. So much comes upon us. And man, believers, we're right there. We have these undiscriminate minds that that allow anything to come in. What we watch, what we hear, everything that's happening around. And man, it begins to flood our minds. That's why Proverbs says, what a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So you got to begin to ask, what is dominating my mind? What is it that's controlling me? What do I think about the most? Because I can guarantee you, the root cause of your stress is what you're choosing to think about. So if I had to go back, it starts here. You know, the worry about nothing starts here. What am I thinking about? And then you cut off the supply line. How do you defeat an enemy in war? Is if you can cut off their supply line. If you cut the supply line of what you're thinking on, it begins to change your whole perspective. So what is true? What is real? What is genuine? Is this true or is this false? Is this real or not? What is honorable? What is honest? What is it? Now I'm going to walk through all of them, but it's a great study. What is honorable and honest, right, righteous, just? Is it a righteous thing? Is that righteous? Is it pure, clean, spotless? Is this something that will will dirty my soul? If I watch this, will it dirty my soul? If I'm flipping through and I see something and I hear something, is that dirtying my soul? And God is going to affect me. What is lovely, pleasing, kind? Does it draw loving, kind things out of me? Maybe, God, I just need you to renew my heart. Maybe tonight, a night of prayer and worship is about just renew my heart. Maybe it's just about, God, break the hardness of my heart. God, tonight, maybe it's just soaking in you so that love begins to flow from me as I focus on you. Not what I'm going to get from you, but what you're going to do in me. So that my life, are you with me? God, my life is one that's broken and surrendered and laid before you. Is it motivating? Is it encouraging? Does it inspire that which fills your mind and fills your thoughts? Is it something that's praiseworthy? Would Jesus sit with you and watch that? Would he go there? Now, I know that we're touching something, but if you want to walk in peace, There's a process that guides you. Obedience brings peace in our life. So whatever I'm thinking about, I've got to remind myself that I'm becoming. And I want God to control my thoughts. I want God to to learn to help me discipline my mind. I want to struggle against sin in my life. I want to wrestle with negative thoughts and cast it out. I want to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. 
I want to fight to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 He says this. In my final thought, he says, if you do this, this last scripture, if you do this, you will experience God's peace. You will experience God's peace, which is far more. Say far more. Hallelujah. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than any human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and the rest of and, and at, at rest and at rest, excuse me, as you trust in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word today. Father, your word is powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. And as we study it, we learn how to apply it. And my goal and desire today has been to help us choose peace that I would choose peace in my life. There's so many in this room right now, they don't have peace in their life. Worry, stress, anxiety characterizes their life, if they're honest. The stress of life, the busyness, everything that they're worrying about. So you tell us, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. We thank you, God, for all things heart of gratitude. Help us to think on what is right, what is genuine, what is honest, just, pure, lovely, what is a good report, positive thoughts that are praiseworthy, oh God. God, help us to think on that. I pray that your peace would guard our minds and guard our hearts. And as a body of Christ, today we say, I choose Say it with me. I choose peace. Say it again. Put your hand over your heart. Say, I choose peace. Say it again. I choose peace. I choose peace. That's my heart's desire today is to walk in peace. And God's people said, amen and amen and amen. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.